she is none other than the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ from A to Z. You know, uh, because of 25 years of being at this church, I have come to the front of this room countless times and stood at the front looking all preacherly as a, a groom followed me out and we've got all the little pomp and circumstance going on, you know, and awaiting that moment. Now, there's some girls that start making their way down, but that ain't the moment. In fact, all the girls get down, the doors close, and all of a sudden, you know, that downbeat comes, the door opens, and bam, there she is. And... Uh, 37 years ago this month, uh, that's when Sherry and I did our little thing, and I followed the pastor out and was standing there as excited as a brother could be, man. And uh, so all of the, the non-important girls walked out, <laughs> and they closed that door, and, and she made her entrance, and I had no idea that I was going to be such an idiot. <laughs> as soon as that downbeat hit, man, and I saw the woman that I was going to spend the rest of my life, what am I doing? I'm doing it again. <laughs> I mean, it just, whew, I mean, I am just. <laughs> and and I, I look up, and she's all smiles, you know. And, and the, yeah, what an idiot. And she gets about halfway down, and she sees that I'm chewing it. <laughs> and so then I, I, I'm looking at her, and she starts chewing it, you know? And, and so, you know, we come, and we do the, the whole thing, and, you know, I, I get her, and we're both. <laughs> and, you know, so the pastor's doing all of his, you know, will you, and will you, will you. Yeah, I will. And so we go through all the I wills and all of that kind of stuff. And then he says, and I'd like for you to, to turn and, and face each other. And so we turned and faced each other. And the one thing that Sherry forgot was a handkerchief. And, and so she had a long sleeve dress on. And she had tucked a, a, a Kleenex up under here. And so, you know, after crying all of this time, and I've, I look at her, she's got a piece of Kleenex <laughs> stuck right, right under her nostril right here, man. And so now I'm not trying to force or pull back the tears. I'm trying to pull back the laughter, man. <laughs> And so as she's talking, it's flapping. And, and, <laughs> and I, I, I have no way of telling her what's going on at this traumatic moment in life. And, and so we kind of, we, this is maybe old school now. You know, we had the, the, the prayer, uh, what do you call those things? 
kneeling bit. There you go. We have the kneeling. And, and so we, we did the, rather than just one, we did the, the two that are facing at each other. So I get down. Hey, baby. <laughs> you've, got a, you've got a piece of Kleenex <laughs> under your left nostril. And she says, what? <laughs> you, have a, you have a piece of Kleenex under your left nostril. And so she's working it, you know. Check me out. <laughs> and so I, okay, you're good. And let me tell you how that applies to what we're going to be looking at tonight. <laughs> I think the only, the only similarity with anything is that we're talking about a bride and she was a bride. It just came to my mind today. And I, I couldn't resist on this last night of embarrassing the fire out of her. I don't even know where she is. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Proverbs 31. We, we've looked at... Her biblical identity, the identity of this virtuous woman. And Solomon asks a very vital question for those of us that take the Bible literally. He says, who can find a virtuous woman? And so we went on a search on Monday night, and we found her in the book of Ruth, a picture of the bride of Christ. And he says, for her price is far above rubies. And we've talked about the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life, shed his blood, paid the ultimate price to purchase us. We looked at her beautiful character, the fact that she can be trusted, the heart of her husband, to safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. We saw that she's responsible. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And then last night we started getting into the fact that she takes the initiative. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She's like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. And man, I hope as we're just walking back through these things phrase by phrase, I'm, I'm hoping that it's connecting with you how this relates to us as the bride of Christ. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. And just before we move into where we'll pick up tonight. Let's just once again pause and ask the Lord to speak to us. And, and rather than just listening to me pray right now, could I ask you would, you, would you just personally come before the Lord and say, Lord, speak to me tonight. Listen, y'all, this, this passage is to us. It is for us, I understand it is an Old Testament picture, but man, God wants to say some incredible New Testament truth to us from it. So will you just ask him to change you tonight? And Lord, as we come before you tonight, we, we humble ourselves, we confess that without you, 
We can do nothing. I can't preach. We can't hear. We need you. And so, Lord, as we go to the book of books tonight, the word of God in our own language, I, I pray that you will reveal your truth to us by your spirit and may we submit ourselves even now for the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our life to reprove of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so, Lord, would you tonight, would you do a work in our midst? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. And so after looking at her, beautiful, her biblical identity, her beautiful character, we'll pick up tonight with her boundless responsibilities. Her boundless responsibilities. The, the, the virtuous woman is one who recognizes her responsibilities. And because she's a woman of character, with, with each of her responsibilities... As we've been seeing the last several nights, she can be trusted and she will take the initiative to stick with it and to get the job done. And, and listen, as we're about to see, she has some heavy-duty responsibilities. First of all, in verses 16 through 20, she has a responsibility to the world. And, and so that we're all just making sure that we're understanding, what I'm saying is you and I, as the bride of Christ, individually and as a church corporately, we have a responsibility to the world. Look at verse 16. It says, she considereth a field and buyeth it. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 38, he said, the field is the, say it, y'all, it's the world. And, and folks, it, it, I want you to know tonight that as the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I have a responsibility to the world. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the virtuous woman is a woman who recognizes that her, what it is that her husband is asking her to do. What he's asking us to do is the same exact thing that he did because do you understand, one day, our husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, considered a field. The field of the world. And after considering it, you know what he did? He bought it, and he bought it with his own precious blood. And you know why he bought it? Matthew 13 and verse 44 says it was because there was treasure in that field. And the verse goes on to say that he sold all that he had so he could buy that 
field. Does anybody in this room know what the treasure in that field actually was? It was us, y'all. It was his bride, and he literally gave all that he had to pay the dowry to purchase us to be his bride. And as his virtuous woman, he now asked us to do the same thing, to consider the field of the world and do whatever is necessary to buy that field, even if it means selling all that we have, even if it means giving our own life just as he did. You know, in 21st century Christianity, we, and in good churches like ours, we talk a lot about reaching people. And we're all about reaching people. As long as it doesn't cost us something. As long as we're not inconvenienced in order to do it. As long as we don't have to sacrifice. But listen, the virtuous woman is willing to lay her life down. And yes, the virtuous woman recognizes her boundless responsibility to the world, and not just the world, but the whole world. And yet, at the same time, she recognizes that the best way to fulfill her responsibility is to consider a field. That's what the scripture says. She considereth a field. To, to consider, to, to determine where it is on this planet that her husband wants her to labor and to do whatever is necessary to buy that field. Those of you that have spent any time listening to me know that when it comes to the mission that we've been given... I'm a, I'm a simple dude, man, and I try to just make it as simple as it can possibly be. I'm constantly talking about the fact that we need to constantly be able to say to our husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, at any given time, three simple words, whatever, wherever, whenever. I ask you tonight, can you honestly say three words to your husband tonight? Lord, whatever you want me to do, can you say that? Wherever you want me to do it. Anywhere on this entire planet, Lord, I'll give consideration to any field in any place in this entire world. And whenever, whenever you tell me to do it, when you show me that field, I'll buy it. Okay. 
can you genuinely say that to your husband tonight? That is the kind of submission that our husband is looking for from those of us that comprise his bride. And, and you know what? If some, of, if some of us genuinely did that and, and we said, Lord, what field in this big, vast world would you like me to consider? For some of us in this room, if we genuinely ask the Lord that, he would probably say to some of us, it's Guatemala. Some of us, the Dominican Republic. Maybe some of us, the Czech Republic. Some of us, Cambodia. Some of us, Malawi. And listen, if that's the field that he wants you in, listen, the most joyous place that you will ever find yourself on this entire globe is in that place. And yet, I get it, man. The, the truth is that for most of the people in this room, your field is probably going to be Tuscarawas County, at least for right now. Now, I wouldn't assume that because we've all got to be considering a field. I, I would not assume that because you were born here and raised here that this is the field but for a good portion of the people in this room, it's probably going to be this field. But at all times, be obedient to Proverbs 31 and verse 16 and genuinely consider what field in this big, vast world that he wants you in. And listen now, if your husband confirms in your spirit and through your leaders that Tuscarawas County is your field, Make sure that you understand something. You have a responsibility to buy that field. Hello? Do you believe that? Hey, consider a field, and, and he may have a different place on this planet. And, buddy, go and buy that field if it would cost you your life. But if he doesn't call you to go to another field, this is your field. And you are to buy this field. Years ago, there was a... There was a young man from the Chicago area who, after he completed college, landed a job down in Decatur, Alabama. And when the infamous wall came down, the church that he was a part of there in Decatur, Alabama, took a short-term missions trip to that country, to Albania. And you know what happened to him after he got there? Proverbs 31 and verse 16. And having already launched his career as an engineer on this short-term mission field, he had the audacity to consider the field of Albania. And six months later, he took all of his possessions and moved to Albania 
to do what, y'all? To buy that field. And Jeff Bartell left his career and his life and went to Albania to buy that field. And by that field, he did. Paying for it, ask him sometime. Paying for it with his blood, his sweat, and his tears. And we would all expect that because he's a missionary. And that's what missionaries do, right? That's what we expect. What do we pay you for anyway? (laughs) But what a good portion of people, and again, I say this in love, y'all. What a good portion of people in this room have never really realized is that in your husband's eyes, you are every bit a missionary in this field as Jeff Bartell was in Albania. And your responsibility, just as was his, is to buy this field. Could I ask you tonight? Is there any evidence that you are buying the field of Tuscross County? If I were to bring your name to Pastor Jeff after the service tonight and ask him whether or not he thinks you're buying this field what do you think he'd say and the reality is y'all i'm pretty well convinced that whatever your pastor would say about whether or not you're buying the field is probably a good indication of what your husband the Lord Jesus Christ would say. So if you want to know, would Jesus think I'm buying this field? Well, just think, does your pastor think that? Because I, I, I can tell you, as pastors, we know who our co-laborers are. He's buying this field now. And what a church is, is a collective group of people who are buying the same field. Is there any evidence that you're buying this field? And notice the next part of verse 16. With the fruit of her hands, she planteth a vineyard. You see, the virtuous woman recognizes that the the field she's considered and is in the process of buying has the potential of bearing much fruit. But she knows that if she's ever really going to see that fruit, she's got to get in that field and start planting. And what is it that you plant, y'all? This is a farming area. I think we know this. It's seeds, right? Luke chapter 8, verse 11, defines the seeds that we plant in the field of the world. Jesus said it, 
the seed is the word of God. And I ask you, are you looking for fruit to come from the vineyard that you are buying? L listen, if you haven't been planting seeds, please don't expect a harvest. You know, that's a pretty much a no-brainer around here, isn't it? If, if a farmer comes to July and is looking for his corn, and it ain't there. You say, well, when did you plant your seeds? Oh, I think I forgot that. And, and some of us think we're buying a field, but we're never planting the seed of the word of God into the lives of people, and the fruit is going to come. You plant enough seeds, y'all, fruit's coming. <laughs> Look at verse 17. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. Now, now this, this thing of girding your loins, probably a good portion of you uh, know this, but let's don't assume anything. Okay, you, you see this numerous times in scriptures. One of the most infamous places, of course, is Ephesians chapter 6 and, and verse 14. And this is a phrase that was used in biblical times to mean the same thing when we say, man, you better get in there and roll up your sleeves. Because you see, the way that it worked in those days is everybody wore robes. And if there was ever an occasion where there was a, some urgent matter and you needed to just haul off and get somewhere, if you just hauled off and went, that robe down at your feet is going to get you all tangled up. And so when they were going to get out after it, man, what they would do is they would gird up their loins. And what that means is they would reach down and grab the bottom of their robe and put it up around their loins or their waist, their midsection, and they would gird it. They'd put a belt around it. And then they'd haul off and go do this thing. Okay, notice in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14, it says that that belt, Paul says, having your loins girt about with truth. And of course, we know what the truth is, right? Jesus said it in John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. And you know what Proverbs 31, verses 16 and 17 are letting us know that our husband is actually asking of us, y'all? Listen, he's asking us to consider the field of the world. Listen, find the one that he wants to be ours and buy it to get in there and to roll up our sleeves if you will and get this book and take this book and start planting because there's lots of fruit to be harvested in that field if we'll plant the seeds of the word of God that's why verse 18 says she perceiveth that her merchandise is good 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. No, man, it's not in vain. It's, it's good. And listen, when you're in that field planting seeds and you're working your tail off, you know what happens? 
you perceive that this is a good work and you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know that your merchandise is good. You perceive that. And that's why you work in that field night and day. The end of verse 18 says, Her candle goeth not out by night. We talked last night about the fact that right now we are living in a biblical nighttime. He tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, that though we live in the night, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, verse 6, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. In other words, there's no time for our candle to go out No, there's work to be done, man. There's seeds to plant. Our responsibilities aren't finished just because it's nighttime. And so the virtuous woman, verse 19, she layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. The way that we would probably say that today is she uses all the tools that are available to her to get the job done in the most effective manner. And man, we live in the 21st century, y'all, and we've got some incredible tools to be able to get the work of the Lord done. Verse 20, she stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy, and I love that, man. She sees that as her responsibility to meet the needs of the poor and and needy. And you know why the virtuous bride of the Lord Jesus Christ feels that responsibility? It's It's because that's where the heart of her husband is. Did you ever really notice what our Lord's flight plan for ministry was. Do you remember he comes into his, his home church, his home synagogue in Luke chapter 4? He's going to be the, the visiting preacher. And they, they hand him the scroll, and he finds the place where it is written. And where it was written, it was Isaiah 61. It's a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he would come to this planet to do. And you know what his flight plan was? He read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to... And watch this now because here's where his heart is. This is what he came to do. To preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to, and watch this description of the needy people around us. To heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. And set at liberty them that are bruised. Okay, so Jesus came in the first century. And this was what he, this, this is what was ordered by the Old Testament for him to do in terms of his earthly ministry. Let's just just say for a second that he didn't come in the first century. What if he would have come in the 21st century? 
You know what his flight plan for ministry would have been? It was dictated by prophecy, y'all. It was to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And you know who those people actually are in the 21st century, y'all? It's all the people that we work with, that we live near, and we're related to. And the virtuous woman, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, sees those people and is broken for those people. And she stretches out her hand to meet those needs and she does whatever she could possibly do to reach out her hand to them and she recognizes that the the greatest poverty and the greatest need people have is not in their stomachs it's not in their bodies but it is in their souls and that's why she stretches and reaches out her hands, not just holding food, not just holding money. Oh, she does that if that's what the need calls for. But as Philippians chapter 2 and verse 16 says, listen, she holdeth forth the word of life. Do you know what the poor people of this world need? Do you know what the brokenhearted people of this world need? You know what the captives need? You know what the blind need? You know what the bruised need? They need the gospel. And the only thing that we can really do to change this world is to hold forth the word of life. But I want you to see tonight that she has a responsibility to the world and I ask you tonight would your husband the Lord Jesus Christ say that based on where your life is right now that you are fulfilling your responsibility to the world you have in fact considered a field and you are in the midst of buying that field but notice next she has a responsibility to her family look at verse 21 she's not afraid of the snow for her household for all her household are clothed with scarlet and man I, I love how the Hebrew scholars think that they're taking us into the depth of this passage by pointing out that this Hebrew word scarlet here would be better translated double clothing. Okay. And, and okay, I get it. We've learned, you know, that in this in snowy weather and such, we have learned that one of the best ways to keep warm is double clothing we layer right okay all that's true all that's good but let me just tell you something if you're really going to get to the depth of meaning in this passage don't mess with the word scarlet 
Because God asked Job a very pertinent question in Job 38 and verse 22. God asked Job, Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? No. (laughs) Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? And biblically, obviously, God has tucked some treasures in the snow. So there's some some things he wants us to learn that are represented in that that snow. And and we obviously don't have the time to go into detail on this tonight. But snow in the Bible is a picture of the righteous judgment of God. And listen, y'all, the Bible is so clear, especially in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 7, that one day God's judgment is going to come down out of the sky it's going to fall upon this planet and when it comes it is going to cover this earth like a blanket of snow and when it does it will be white because it is the righteous judgment of God one of these days it's going to start snowing y'all But the virtuous woman isn't afraid. Look at verse 21 again. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Listen, when the righteous judgment of God is poured out on this planet, you better be covered with something more than a sweater and a jacket. You better be covered with the scarlet blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 says, being now justified, how? By his scarlet blood, we shall be saved from wrath to come. And let me just say to every parent in this room, listen, with everything that you're doing for your kids, man. Keeping them dressed, keeping them healthy, keeping them entertained, getting them music lessons, involving them in sports leagues. Listen, make sure that your number one priority is the salvation of every one of your kids. And I'm not talking about just bringing them to church, praying before meals, reading Bible stories, listening to Christian music. Okay, do all of that stuff, but but the only way that you can have confidence against the snow of God's judgment and seeing them saved is you showing them by your life what a relationship with the God of the universe looks like. Model it. Let them see. Not that you're perfect, because none of us are, but let them see a genuine relationship that we have with our husband, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the virtuous woman understands the responsibility that she has to her family, and she faces the future with confidence. But not only does the virtuous woman have a responsibility to the world and to her family, notice in verse 22, she has a responsibility to herself. Verse 22 says, She maketh herself... Coverings of tapestry. 
I think probably most of the older people in the room understand what tapestry is, but for those of you that are young people that are in the room, and the thing I love about this church is it's full of young people, but what, what tapestry is, is uh, I mean, maybe we could say it's a painting of cloth. It's like a, a, a rug or uh, a blanket that has this beautiful picture on it, but rather than paint on it, the picture has been crafted into this work of art through various colors of thread or yarn, nylon, whatever, as they've been woven together. And it comes together in this thing to make this incredible picture. It's a tapestry. And you know what the virtuous woman does? She makes herself submissive to the Lord Jesus Christ. We learn in Ephesians chapter 5 that this, this submission thing that wives do, it, it's just a picture. It's a picture of what we do as the virtuous woman, the virtuous bride of Christ. We submit ourselves to him. And, and, and we submit ourselves to all of what James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 calls divers temptations. In other words, all kinds of different trials that come into our life, man. And, and we all have them, right? And, and they come in different colors. And, 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 and what happens, what, what God intends for his virtuous bride is for her to submit herself, even in the midst of trial, and allow God to weave these trials together to make her a beautiful tapestry of grace. And listen, y'all, that's our responsibility as the bride. According to James 1, verses 2 through 4, that's how he makes us who he wants us to, to be. Let, let me just ask you, how do you respond when trials come in your life? And again, they come in all kinds of packages and different colors. How do you respond? Do you, as James talked about, do you count them as joy? Because you understand how God is going to weave these together, how God is going to use them? Do you see them as 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7 says? Do you see them as precious? You ever looked at your trials and go, precious and he says if we'll understand how God is wanting to use these trials in our life even in the midst of trials we can look at it and count it joy we can look at it and say this is something precious because we understand that God is trying to make us a beautiful work of art for his glory L listen folks this is a choice that we make in the midst of trials because we understand what God is doing in our life because as James 1 4 says we see that he is seeking to make us perfect and entire wanting nothing we see as Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verses 28 and 29 that God is working all of these different trials together to conform us 
into his image to make us like him. Or as 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 10 says, listen, those trials come so that we might bear in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. How do you respond in the midst of trial? And look at the next part of verse 22. Her clothing is silk and purple. Man, this is a well-dressed lady. Verse 24 adds that she wears the finest linen. And again, it's, it's purple. Purple, as I think we learned in elementary school, purple is not a primary color, but it is made of two primary colors. It's made of blue and of red, and blue in the Bible symbolizes the deity of Christ, who he is. Red in the Bible, of course, symbolizes his blood, what he did. And listen, she is clothed with purple. Those are the clothes she, listen to it, that she puts on every day. You know what Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27 says about all of us who have been saved? It says that we have put on Christ. And Colossians chapter 3 verses 8 through 10 tells us what that means it means putting off the old man the old us that old us that used to sit on the throne of our life that was characterized by anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of our mouth and lying and we put all of that off and put on the new man. Again, we put on Christ. And you know what he does in verses 12 through 14 of Colossians? He begins to go into another list. Okay, we put off all of that stuff that represented our old life before coming to Christ. But now we put on the new man. And you know what the list is? Everything that Christ had on him when he made us new creatures in Christ. You know what he had? Bowels of mercies. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. Long-suffering. Gentleness. Forbearance. Long-suffering. Forbearance. Forgiveness. And watch this now. And above all of these things, charity, which is the bond of perfectness. In other words, it's the belt that sets off the whole outfit for you ladies, okay? And, and it's really the same thing that Solomon is describing in Proverbs 31, verses 24 through 27. Folks, uh, listen, our husband has worked hard so that we could be dressed like that. And that's how he expects us as his bride to be clothed. Folks, listen. We have a responsibility to the world. We have a responsibility 
to our family, but we have a responsibility to ourself every single day. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, our responsibility is to get out of the way and die. 2 Corinthians 5, 15, our responsibility every single day is to cease living for our own sorry selves. 1 Peter 4, 2, our responsibility every single day is to cease living in the flesh, to put that life, to put those clothes off and put on. Christ, again, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And so we have a responsibility to the world, to, the fam to our, fa our, our family, ourselves. And, and then notice next she has a responsibility to her husband. Hey, y'all. We have a responsibility to Christ. And what we see in this picture in Proverbs 31 is this virtuous woman has lost herself in her desire for her husband. She is not seeking a name for herself. She is not seeking the place of honor. No, that's what she's seeking for her husband to have. Look at verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. And do you understand what the, it's picturing here? One of these days, our Lord Jesus Christ, our husband is going to sit down on his throne at the east gate in Jerusalem. And according to Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, his disciples will sit on 12 thrones with him and his glory will be known in all the earth. Matthew 19, 28 says he shall sit on the throne of his glory. And listen. That's the preoccupation of the virtuous woman to see him get the glory that is due his name. And the virtuous woman understands that he's not going to get it until he's sitting on that throne. And so she has this preoccupation inside of her. Paul said it in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 that she loves his appearing. That is, she longs for and she loves that time when he will appear because she knows that it is then that he will sit on the throne of his glory. And so she she gets up early and she stays up late and she works hard and she goes long and she does everything that she can do, not for her glory, not for her honor, but for his. And because she does what she does for him, listen, she doesn't need anybody to give her recognition she doesn't need anybody in the church to come along and coddle her. She doesn't need anybody to pat her on the back and give her praise. But there is coming a day of honor for her 
Listen, she will be bountifully rewarded, and that's the last point, her bountiful reward. Letter A, she knows that she will rejoice in time to come. Well, listen, y'all. Verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Listen, she goes through this, this life and she sees what other people don't see because she's looking, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, she's looking not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And she knows that, so she's content to not get it all now. She's content to rejoice in time to come. And she shall rejoice because, listen, y'all, through the intimacy, are you listening? Because of, through the intimacy of her relationship with her husband, she has brought forth spiritual children. And, and so she's able to say to them what Paul said to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? And again, y'all, she's content to rejoice at that time, when that time comes. So she doesn't need commendation from you and me because look at verse 28. Her children arise up and call her blessed. And that's the reward that she's looking for, for her children to arise up and call her blessed. And I want you to listen very carefully. If you and I will invest our lives like this virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, there is coming a day at the rapture of the church when all of the people that we've won to Christ in the field where we have been planting seeds, in the field that we have been buying, there is coming a day at the rapture of the church when all of our spiritual children will literally arise up. And verse 28 says, And there in the presence of the Lord and all his saints, Bless you, man. They will call you blessed. They'll say, bless you, man. Bless you for living the life. I was your neighbor. I was your co-worker. I was your son. I was your daughter. I was your aunt. I was your uncle. But listen, thank you. Bless you for sharing that message with me. Listen, what? An incredible 
reward. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Verse 28 goes on to say, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Her husband will praise her. And you know what words her husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, will use to praise her? The words of Matthew 25, verse 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. And without anybody packing up, nobody clicking a notebook, I'd like to ask you something. How do you feel like you're doing fulfilling your role as the virtuous bride of the Lord Jesus Christ? If the rapture would be tonight, do you have any spiritual children that would arise up and call you blessed? Call you blessed because you left your homeland and all the comforts of your life to go buy a field somewhere on this planet and because of the seeds of the gospel that you planted in their life they became children of God or or maybe maybe they're calling you blessed because you didn't leave your homeland because this is your field and your husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, wanted you to consider this field and buy this field. And you bought it and you labored in it and you did it and it brought forth fruit, the fruit of eternal souls. Anybody going to rise up? If the rapture were to take place tonight and you and I stood in the presence of our husband as he has brought us to the Father's house to consummate the marriage, but before that, come into his throne room individually, look him eye to eye at the judgment seat of Christ, what's that going to look like, yo? Based on what life has been. Are you coming into the throne room and is he going to be able to look at you and say, I could trust you. You are responsible, man. I could count on you to get the job done. You didn't sit around and wait for everything to be handed to you. You took the initiative and you, you walked the way that I had called you to walk and you carried yourself down in that world system as if you were spoken for. And you not only considered a field, but you bought it and you brought forth the fruit of it. Bless you. Well 
Listen, y'all. That's what Paul was anticipating. He couldn't wait to get there. Would he say that to you? Or would he speak verse 29 to you? Many daughters have done virtuously. But thou excellest them all. And look at verse 30. Favor is deceitful. And beauty is vain. Listen. You may go through this life and everything goes smooth. Everything goes your way. Got the fat life going on. Everybody thinks you, you, you're it. It can be very deceptive, y'all. Favor is deceitful. And beauty is vain. Because, you see, all that what I just described is all temporal. It's all vanity. It's all empty. It's worthless. Look at the rest of verse 30. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Verse 31. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. And you know what that is? Listen real carefully. I'm almost done. You know what that is, y'all? That's you. Can you just put verse 31 up there again? Give her of the fruit of her hands. I was thinking it was just that last slide. Listen to it even though it's not there. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. You know what this is? This is you, me. At the judgment seat of Christ, and this is our entrance into the everlasting kingdom. But maybe I should phrase it this way. It is potentially you and me at the judgment seat of Christ. And potentially you and me making our entrance into the everlasting kingdom. And it all depends on what kind of bride we are to our Lord Jesus Christ right now. This is it. Let's bow our heads together.